for this week's icebreaker, I, I decided to choose one that still uh, helps us develop who we are as characters. If your character was a drink, what would they be and why? Could be alcoholic or non-alcoholic. This is so fucking fitting for this group. Holy shit. <laughs> All right. Who do you want to go first? I keep going first. Should I go first again? You just got to you just got to tell whoever you want to go to go. You always get to think about it ahead of time. I think you have to go first. That's true. I, I, I can go first. No, no, no. Shine a light. OK. Cast it to someone else. Put uh, them on the spot. Walker. All right. Well, uh, if I was a drink, I think I'd be just kind of a mixture of whatever I could get into a cup while no one was looking at a party that I probably shouldn't be at. So, uh, you know, generally speaking, one part well whiskey, one part gin, one part uh, tequila, one part some beer, and then maybe a little bit of wine. Shake it up and... Uh, one part whatever that is. That. That's, that's, what, uh, that's what I think Locker is. Lovely. Let's uh, pass it on to PJ. Are any of you familiar with the term infinity bottle? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so it is essentially a homemade blend of whiskeys made from adding a little bit of every new bottle that you get. Oh. And it's constantly changing and constantly being added to. And I think based on Leo's love of history and building things, I think that's uh, what I would choose. That's that's, That's really cool. Say. I want to do an infinity bottle. <laughs> like, damn, yeah, like I'm thinking cool about that right answer. now. I'm like, I have four whiskeys in the cabinet. I can start an infinity bottle. Right Does it have now. to be only whiskey? I It'd mean, be better. <laughs> no, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> it becomes just an infinity AMF at a certain point. Oh my God. <laughs> infinity MF. <laughs> an IMF. Yeah. An IMF. <laughs> infinity motherfucker. Infinity What's energy What's in this drink? bottle? <laughs> yeah. The Cosmos motherfucker. <laughs> drink up. <laughs> Drink it to find tonight. out. You're about to experience the cosmos. There's a lot of absinthe in there. I'm sorry. I can see my death and my birth. Why is this oh, bottle shit. narrated by Morgan Freeman? What is happening? <laughs> that was the ayahuasca. I'm so sorry. Oh my god. This bottle's full of broken dreams <laughs> and tequila. <laughs> Same thing, really. A little bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll throw it to Leslie. Well, I think if I were a drink, at first I was thinking I would be just like a fresh-squeezed orange juice because I love getting up in the morning and getting ready for the day, and that's just the best way to start your day. But then I started thinking about it, and I do love to go more into the land and I like to frequent the occasional bars and stuff. So I think I'm more like a mimosa, a little bit extra in there. A little extra is very nice. <laughs> also, I like how you go into the land. Yeah. <laughs> my brain like, uh, south, if I go down, I don't know. You know, I just, that, that's, a t that's another one of those little into turn phrases. Yeah. Go, in, go into the land and fetch me some of their fresh scallions, yeah. boy. <laughs> if anybody tries to stop and sell you apples, just ignore them and run away. <laughs> All right, and the last one, Cross. So 
I, I just, I keep thinking about what preference I might impart upon things that I like. And so when I'm thinking about this, I love apples and I really like apples. And I think about juicing them and heating them and mixing them and sifting through them and like working my way through a, a bushel of apples and turning it into liquid and how that might happen. And I can't help but keep getting lost in that idea. I'm just, I'm really excited by the prospect of, of a different delivery mechanism for apples. So I, I think, I think apple juice the pause at the end I was like and that was good that's the title that's the title of this episode I think apple juice <laughs> uh, DM oh are you yeah. uh, any special Math you know I was thinking I would probably not um I think I'm going to retire for a little bit. My character, my DM character. Okay. <laughs> and look at this as an opportunity to develop an NPC, right? So <clears throat> that's what I'm going to do today. Strictly speaking, I do not drink, at least not in the way that most mortals do. I, I subsist on a dietary supplement of uh, proteins and... Uh, uh, other matter that's infused together. I guess it's kind of a drink. It's a little bit of a drink. It's it's. I, I like to playfully refer to it as my gray matter. <laughs> a little bit of a inside joke there. A little bit of a joke. Um, also, have you tasted the apple juice they make over at the institute? It's quite yummy. Uh, yes, I drink it all the time. Do <laughs> 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 we <Doing> answer? <laughs> All right, <clears throat> good. I'm broken. As was the task. <laughs> the goal is not to break the eyes, but to break us. Like <laughs> before the session. Good. All right, it's cool. Good. We're all warmed up, and I'm broken inside. Let's play some I'm D and D. I'm literally done. The surface ward of Vesper, commonly referred to as the Bluffs, is roughly organized into three distinct communities. The north side of the ravine that divides the city is reserved for builders, descendants of those who laid the first stones in the wall that now shields Vesper from the outside world. Their lavish homes are constructed of the finest stone the mountainous region has to offer. The oldest among them, however, feature bones of finely treated timber logged from the island's sole thicket of hardwood trees, a natural resource which has long since been exhausted. To the south sits the Institute of the Future, a modest yet alluring building seated at the heart of a sprawling garden and seven different apple orchards. The path toward the pillared portico that is its entrance winds in a large spiral around the campus, no doubt intended to be a meditative walk. 
The grounds are well-maintained and full of life. Each monk walking among them appears wholly immersed in some mental task not obvious to the casual observer. And if you strain, you might hear the sound of bells echoing from within. A third community lies between the inner and outer city wall. Functionally, it serves as Vesper's citadel, its first line of defense should a viable threat ever be detected beyond. Its architecture is neither opulent as the builders nor elegant as the futures. Rather, a utilitarian aesthetic is prevalent throughout. Each and every scout in the city calls this small stretch of suburbia their home. They are communal, they are curious, and most of all, they are incredibly committed to the safety of their city. So much so, that in the years following the second wave, an idea was formed. Godot steps out from the entrance to the Strategic Coastal Observatory and Undersea Trust. He steps forward and offers a slight nod, gestures back toward the building and says, the idea was to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they could become something more. See if they could work together when we needed them to fight the battles that we never could. We're all dying. You can't just give me an excuse to not let us Nick laugh. Gary's speech. Sure I can. I mean, I left that line and there it was. It was just there and I just took it. It's oh, it so good. Anyway, I'm sorry. Keep going. Just, we're crying and dying and laughing. So I was trying so I hard to like. I read that in a book sometime ago. I thought it was rather fascinating. Does this place call it After Earth? Anyway. It is the multiverse, baby. Yeah, it's true. Walk with me. Talk with me. I'll give you more exposition. <laughs> um what's your vibe this morning like what is what is each person's kind of vibe let's start with uh let's start with walker yeah uh walker definitely has a bit of um bit of a guard up in the situation i don't think walker still fully trusts that godot's not gonna eat his brain so sure. take keeping a little little distance but beyond that I think Walker's a little more focused and a little more serious than he's been up to this point. Now kind of being in an area that almost feels a little like home. It's a little bit more martial. There's people kind of with jobs, training and things like that. It's not just kind of the sloppier, lower level area that he usually hangs out as much as he would like to believe that he doesn't slip right back into it. Like being here, he's starting to kind of go almost back into kind of military school soldier mode without realizing it. Sure. Standing up a little straighter, hands kind of clasped behind his back as he's looking around and mm -hmm. taking stock of what they have and where it seems like they keep things. And that's probably the armory, stuff like that, you know? Let's throw it over to Leo. Leo is certainly intrigued. I'd assume I'd have had some interaction with some old, I don't know, artifacts or something of the, of the scout's inception but don't know a whole lot about the scouts in modern time. So interested, curious, and attentive. Also kind of freaking out about LV still. So that's right. Yeah, your friend is missing, uh, which might be apparent to one of the others. Uh, perhaps we'll throw it over to F. 
I am panicking internally. Um, still, like the the environment that F is experiencing is one of both like profound revelation. Like this is really cool to be experiencing something so different from everything else that they've experienced before. Uh, but at the same time, there is a sort of profound anxiety that F is trying to sort through about being discovered here by the future in any capacity. Ella? Ella is um, mixed emotions. She's mainly nervous for a couple things. One of being she's never done a mission like this before. She's always been training for maybe one day I'll go out and do something you know, heroic or, or adventurous, but didn't know it would come so fast and so suddenly. She's also thinking about her dad and how she doesn't want him to get involved in anything that's about to happen. And she's pretty nervous about Walker having the thing that exploded somebody else uh, in his pocket. Yeah, she, she's just a lot of a, a little mixed ball of nerves at this point in time. Roll some dice here. Roll to 17. Godot surveys you and with an empathetic smile, he lets out a little sigh and says, forgive me, I'm so eager to get straight to work that I've failed to inquire as to your well-being. Are you, are you all doing okay? I'm sensing there's just a lot's happened in the last day. We're all a little on edge, and I tend to throw myself into my work uh, when, when, when I don't have answers. And I apologize if I've been insensitive in any way, but is there anything I can do that would help? Do you, do you have anybody actively looking for LV at this moment, not just watching his home? Well, actually, there's been a team putting together a case file, tracking any kind of evidence, looking for clues. I'm Sad to say there's nothing to report as of now, but... But that's more than I could have done, so that puts me a little bit at, at ease, at least. I've abandoned all, like, precedent of, like, having the cloth up at the moment, and so it's just, like, down around my neck, and I'm just kind of, like, free freewheeling and talking. And I'm really excited about being here at the same time as anxious, and it's hard to interpret that. And so I lean into Godot, and I'm like, is there anything else you can tell me? Like, what else? What else... What else about the scouts can you share with me? Us, we... A great deal, in fact. And I'm going to assume for the sake of just the narrative, you guys are kind of walking and talking at this point. Like someone, a couple people have like opened up the doors and you've entered into the main yard where you see, you know, several younger members of the scouts maybe training under the tutelage of uh, elder members. There might be like a forge like in the yard or, or some sort of... Uh, light armory, you know, out front where someone is sort of taking inventory of all the training swords and maybe other more deadly weapons that they have that they use in their, their sparring matches and training. You see someone like fletching arrows and you see dummies positioned at one end of the yard, you know, long side yard where students practice archery. And there's a path that leads like past a fountain up the steps into like an outer courtyard area. And now you're walking through the main atrium of the observatory. And he looks back at you and says, yes, F, uh, is that what I call you? I don't know. Should I call you future? I, um, that, that's a really tough question. 
I'll just keep calling you F for now until you tell me otherwise. Shrugs. F, there's there's a number of things that I'd really sincerely love to show you, and there's no time for extended stays or extended tutelage, but I'd simply love to make sense of what you are capable of. Walker, you look like you had something on your mind. Well, uh, if I'm honest, I'm, after the <laughs> past couple of days that I've had, I'm kind of itching to get my hands on something that would make me feel a little more secure. If that, uh... Ah, uh, yes. It'll be taken care of very shortly. I just kind of nod and keep looking around. I don't mean to be overly blunt, but sewers are great. Love the pleasantries. What do you need us to do? I mean, where do we start? It's... It's a beautiful place you got here, but it's not going to help us get what we need to get done. There's no news on Alvi, so that's a dead end. There, I assume, hasn't been any other sightings of crazy people with glowing gemstones that explode half a city block. So you wouldn't have us come in here if you didn't have a plan for us, right? I lean over real quickly to Eleanor and Leo and say... He asks the best questions, doesn't he? I know, it's like he's trained or something. I just, yeah. (laughs) Walker, suffice it to say that you share my enthusiasm for brevity. Say what? I'll show you to your quarters and you can put your things there. Um, I'll make sure your weapons are delivered. Are there any pebbles on the ground? (laughs) you're probably holding some in your hand right now i'm sure well if there are any on the ground feel free to cut me off if this is out of line a little bit but could i reach down and grab some and just from debris and stuff in the area things start sort of coming together forming a pile and eventually constructing a steel defender or is that something that should happen later i think the way that like a steel defender is constructed you have to spend time okay there, it, what is it what does it say um your tinkering has borne you a faithful companion a steel defender is friendly to you and your companions blah, blah, blah. at the end of the long rest you can create a new steel defender if you have your smith's tools with you okay yeah so it'd be so you could have done it last night right if that's what you want to do then paint the scene that's great. But the, the the it just appearing from like random assortment of things, I think implies too much. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> <God>. okay. um, <laughs> yeah, I'll just uh, look behind me and off in the distance kind of following us is a very crude humanoid-ish, smaller than me, looks very kind of haphazardly put together from a whole bunch of materials found. You might recognize some of the materials as things that, like the the leg of a table that was in the basement and just cobbled together a very slapdash humanoid that just kind of ambles towards us. What's the size of the Steel Defender? It's a medium creature. Can have two or four legs, my choice, but he's got two. He's bipedal. So you've got this like slapdash automaton just kind of trying to keep up. <laughs> you turn and look back and Godot looks over your shoulder and kind of gives like a, like an arched brow and looks back and says, all right, well, that's something I haven't seen before. And that's the start of a good day. That's, that's really, uh, really incredible. Good job, Leo. And he puts a hand on your shoulder and says, 
keep it up. You're doing great. With that, uh, I think you guys all go with the uh, his associate, one of the other, uh, maybe like an underling scout who leads you to your quarters, uh, you know, down like maybe a spiraling staircase to a room with six bunks in it. Like I said, the scouts are very utilitarian, so they're not they're not really prone to very fanciful architecture or anything ornate or lavish in any way, but they're well furnished and they are warm. There's a fire burning in a very small hearth when you enter, and there is a lantern hanging next to each and every bunk, and the the scout who showed you down there uh, excuses themselves and shuts the door and, and leaves, and you're left to kind of discuss the events of the previous day and sort of what your expectations might be moving forward. Well, I think being up front with each other might be a good call moving forward. We've, we're really in this together now, and... Uh, if I'm entirely honest, I've had kind of weird shit happen to me my whole life, but not like this. But I'm just wondering if like, magic, I guess, if it's coming back. I mean, you turn those rocks into like different types of rocks. Yeah, <laughs> they're like red now. And uh, didn't you like heal somebody once? <laughs> I did, but I was just trying to revive him. I don't know. I thought he cursed him and he came back to life. It was the strangest thing. <laughs> I'm going to look around, make sure no one's around, and then still kind of keeping it wrapped in the little piece of fabric, I'm going to pull out the orb and just kind of lay it down. Like, I don't know if it's related to this, but the other day, I'm, whenever I was trying to get away, suddenly there was a lot of fog around me. I think I might have done that. So now that we're here, things are a little bit more calm and no one's, as far as I know, around. Anybody else have anything they want to tell the group? Nope. <laughs> um, just going off that a little bit, I am obviously not biological like you guys are, but I don't know if if that is the same sort of thing that keeps me alive or if it's something completely different, but there is something in awakening here. Also, is that your son? And I point at the Steel Defender. I mean, son, daughter, pet, I don't know. I'm going to have to work really hard to remember that that thing exists. <laughs> <laughs> For a minute, anyway. <laughs> that it's just kind of hanging it out. <laughs> it's faster well, than me. It has a speed of 40. <laughs> That's great. What is it exactly? Like, what does it do? Uh, it's it's a construct. Like a companion, kind of? Yeah, it's a it's a medium construct. That is the, the feature of my... Subclass, I guess. Nice. Yeah. Well, it uh, it has your eyes. <laughs> I guess. I does it have? I I don't know if it has eyes. It, it has. I don't know if you have eyes. <laughs> I do have eyes. They glow when I cast magic. Okay. Uh, Ocular orifices. He's he's got like soup cans. <laughs> soup cans, right? Ella um, kind of waves her hand in front of it. Like, does it? Does it see me? Can it, can it talk? It just kind of, it can't talk as far as I can tell. It can understand language though, I think. Language is, understands language as you speak. I don't know if it can talk. I think that a steel defender typically cannot speak. 
speak or if it does like you could flavor it as like it makes sounds that you kind of like understand but no one else would right so it's just like okay father (laughs) (laughs) father i am in pain father kill me like and you wouldn't really like the depressed everyone else would be totally (laughs) father i am in constant agony every moment i live existence you made him mr me seeks yeah i I, I also love that if i decide to create a new steel defender at the end of a long rest the other one just dies <laughs> yeah father, father, gonna father, be no. crushed. i will be better i will be father, better father i am starting <laughs> father i am starting to understand life what are you doing father i need your leg <laughs> give me that sorry man i need your eyes those those cans are just really hard to find <laughs> Um, if my sight must be given for another's no i'm definitely using these to store my rocks <laughs> oh yeah you should get some rock cans, <laughs> you get some rock cans. <laughs> yeah don't always rely on there being rocks around dude you gotta you gotta store those those things up man a weird stubby quiver and wear it like lnl does <laughs> <laughs> Just like rocks right here. Just a like uh, bit handsome to you. <laughs> it's like a reverse quiver. You wear it on the front, it's upside down, and it has a little latch, and you click it, and a rock comes out. It's like a little like oh, dispenser. Yeah. Like a rock like a dispenser. Little gerbil food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's a dispenser. Or like when a, a dog dispenser. like gets fed through like that automated dispenser or whatever. You just, it's like or every or bubble day gum. At, every day at noon, you it dispenses a few more rocks and yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every, uh, Dawn. <laughs> what were we talking about? Ellen, I don't do know, you have anything to share? <laughs> I think we were playing D anD D, but I can't remember. <laughs> what about you, Eleanor? Well, I don't really feel any like different, but knowing magic is a real thing is very intriguing, and, and I'm excited yet really nervous to learn more about it. Sheesh. <laughs> I don't know. I'm scared to start this adventure, but I'm just really curious, uh, going back to the thing you have, why did you take that? Yeah, why? I mean, you saw how much there was that was mined out of there. This stuff is out there now. You can't unmake that. So it makes sense for us to have it, to study it, to see what we're dealing with. Are you going to tell anybody? I understand that you're trying to be on the right side of the cat here, but... What I have to tell you is that you have to give that. You ha- you must. You 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 just you have to let Eladel hold it for now. We can we can study it. We can do anything else. Why is that so important to you? Why does it have to be Eladel? I would think maybe you would want it. Nope, it's critically important. I don't have anything. I don't want for anything except for for those rocks to be in Eladel's hand. I grab my rocks and give them to Eladel. <laughs> Wait, why? 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 <laughs> I'm going to grab the big one and just because I know it'll probably be the thing that F is the most mad about. I'm going to hand it to Leo. I'm going to say, I think Leo should hold it. You just turn red. (laughs) He's probably okay. (laughs) Why do I need to hold it? It's a great question. I don't have the answers the stars do. Am I the chosen one? (laughs) 
So you're like really into uh, zodiac signs, right? <laughs> <laughs> like super into that. Yeah, that's like our whole religion, by the way. Like that's that's our whole thing. Is like we look at the stars and we interpret the way that people's personalities are. None of us have personalities. Why would we believe in the zodiac? <laughs> <laughs> all one personalities. I'll I'll just turn to Eleanor and hold it out. You can take this if you want. I can hold it if you want me to. I can give it back to Walker if you want me to. Does not change anything for me. Um, well. F raises his eyebrows and insists um, non-verbally. <laughs> I, I just want, before we take anything and I look to Walker, what were you going to do to research this? Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, but you don't seem like the researcher type person. You seem like the activated and kill people type of person. That's a fair assertion you got there, little lady. Uh, that's part of research sometimes. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, the gods. <laughs> I will say this is essentially another instance of something that I've been researching for the last 80 years with nothing to speak for. So I don't know where research is going to go at this point. Now, knowing that it's something magical and can be used as a focus, maybe there's another path to take with it but we've come up with nothing in the last century how about this if uh if i start yelling weird stuff about the lies of the future and uh shit starts glowing weird get me off of it but and i'm gonna reach out slowly and for the first time actually touch it skin to rock give me a wisdom saving throw Ooh, five hmm. um Okay, so when you touch it, skin to rock, it's cold, it is smooth, and there's like an energy to it. It's like, have you ever touched something that was powered by electricity, and even though you weren't like touching the electricity, you could feel it vibrating with like energy, right? It's like it vibrates with like some sort of energy, just maybe on a very, very like low sort of frequency. It's almost imperceptible, but you can kind of like feel it. There's something about you innately that is like attuned to this thing in some ways. And yet after a moment, it just kind of goes away and you have no idea what that was or what to do with it. You sensed it was there, but you had no idea what to do with it. And then it passes. It doesn't hurt. doesn't feel weird. It just happened. I'll take my hand off. Well, at least we know it's not going to kill us from touching it. Right. Right now. I touch it again. <laughs> I smack your hand off. <laughs> I'm going to bed. I did it twice and I'm fine. It's It's fine. still morning. <laughs> yeah. But I've never had a bed before. <laughs> Y'all can take a nap if you want. Um, at this point, there's a knock on the door. Hello. And a member of the scouts is there and has in their possession, in one arm they're holding, what are they holding, Walker? First, I'd like to say if... Leo doesn't immediately, I would, as soon as there was a knock, like grab the thing and tuck it away unless somebody else already did that. Absolutely. They are holding, so these would be specifically like mine they fetched, right? Mm -hmm. They're holding two bundles like wrapped in like a aged seaweed kind of leather mm -hmm. wrapping. And then they're each maybe about two feet long, not, not super large. There's a little bit of like thickness to one side of it, you can tell. And, uh, as I take them and unwrap them, they are just uh, one side sharpened, slightly curved swords that 
get kind of a little thicker, almost like a scimitar as they go down towards the end. But they're very small and lightweight. At the end, they kind of start to have almost a jagged tip that is reminiscent of like a shark tooth or something along those lines. Nice. And then the handle kind of curves the opposite direction of the blade, almost forming like a bit of an S shape. Yeah. A very slight one. Um, And on the back of each pommel, all the way at the edge of the handle, are just uh, two kind of smoothly polished blue gems. Nothing that looks like expensive or like rare, just like very polished rock that has like a blue hue to it. And uh, I take it and I kind of, the wrapping that they're in kind of reorient and you notice that it kind of works as like a back sash that I'm able to put them both in, so. Nice. They hand them over to you and remark, they they seem remarkably well-balanced. I have to commend you on the craftsmanship of, I don't know if you made them or if you had them made, but they are, they're, they're fine weapons. I appreciate that. No, I I did not make them, but the one who did, his, he's made quite a few. He's had some practice, but thank you. Forgive me. I, I just simply an admirer. And uh, I guess this would belong to uh, you, Miss Ella, and hands over the quiver and... You said it's a longbow? Yes. You want to tell us what it looks like again? I think you mentioned it a few episodes I ago. I did. can't remember exactly what I mentioned, but I know for sure that the longbow just has intricate details carved into it. Uh, I don't remember if I said it was like golden lay or anything, but it was clearly nicer than your average longbow. Like it was a gift yeah. to me. I would love to meet the person who made it. I haven't seen wood like this on any homes in our community, at least. It seems like something that comes from, well, I guess your family are builders, so it makes sense. It must be very old. Yeah, I'm very in love with this longbow. It was a gift. I'm not sure where it came from, but... Maybe a family heirloom? Yeah, maybe. Is there any intricate markings on the, the quiver or anything special about that? Uh, maybe just a, a nicer leather, nothing super crazy. Maybe if my family had like a like a sigil, maybe that's on there. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell us what your sigil might consist of? Or? I just thought of that right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> so think about that. Think about that for later. That's. Cool. I'm, I'm very curious to see. Like, I bet your family does have a mark. I mean, your your father is the guild master of the builders and, and also a member of the Council of Five. So it makes sense that they would have some sort of mark. So think about that. All right. So they give you back your weapons and then, you know, uh, turn and say, I don't know if you've had a chance to, you know, sort out all your belongings and... Who took the top bunks? No, don't worry about it. We can talk about it later. Um, if you follow me, uh, actually, the inspector has invited you all to see something. Uh, he thinks you'll find quite interesting. It's outside of the guild hall, actually, so it's a bit of a jaunt, but we'll, um, are you all ready to maybe see something you haven't seen before? Pull myself out from under the covers. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> are you on the top or bottom bunk? Uh, bottom bunk. Okay, bottom bunker. Okay, cool. <laughs> Telling. All right. Yeah. Taking a mental note. <laughs> Just kidding. Scared of heights. They lead you out back down the long, narrow corridor, up the spiral staircase, through the main atrium. I'd like everyone to roll a perception check as you're walking through like the main hall. You can kind of hear just beyond the main hall. There's like the din of uh maybe members of this agency that are all meeting for lunch. There's a mess hall 
you bypass all of that and walk through like the main atrium. You have a chance to walk past display cases of I mean, maybe a weapon of a venerated member of the scouts. Uh, there are paintings and banners hanging all along the, the main hall there. What was everybody's perception check? Who had the highest? I got a nine. Eight. I got a natural 20. Probably that. Yeah, I got 12. <laughs> I've been waiting to do well in perception for a long time. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> so with that nat 20, you spot something curious. Whether or not you choose to point it out is up to you. You see there is a large framed painting hanging in the very center of the hall. And for whatever reason, the others are perhaps too excited or too distracted to really notice. But in addition to maybe some figures you might recognize, like you might see some historical figures that you'd know to be, you know, founders of the town, founders of the scouts, looking older than when they first landed in Vesper, surrounded by probably a batch of new recruits and some senior members of the organization. Among those like fresh faces are two Triton. They look like warriors. They wear seaweed wrap and they have one of them probably has a mark that hangs on a sash around their waist and the mark is vaguely familiar you, you feel like you've seen it before maybe recently and the woman of that couple wears a really beautiful sword in a scabbard around her waist and the male has the sash with the mark they're kind of embraced in in a way that implies intimacy and next to them is another triton that looks like maybe a friend sort of standing with like a hand on the shoulder behind them. He's about a half a head taller than them and has a very stern look on his face. And they're surrounded by other members of the scouts. It's clear from their garb. It's clear from the different marks. Um, it's clearly a portrait of members who were important to what the scouts are today. And whether or not they're all still here or still part of it, they were immortalized forever in this painting. It's probably something you'd have a hard time pulling your attention away from as you're walking through the hall. And eventually you hear the sound of a door opening and the scout who's leading you says, no, down this way. I quickly discover what humming is by going, hmm, hmm, hmm. And I'd start like making up tunes, but they're really bad. <laughs> like really bad. <laughs> but I say absolutely nothing <laughs> about the painting because I've discovered humming. <laughs> That's an interesting choice. You make your way through the side yard, uh, uh, through a uh, kind of, not the main entrance to the compound yard, but there's another side door that leads to like a narrow alleyway that leads out to a small courtyard. And he kind of gives a curt nod and turns to shut the gate behind him. I nudge Walker and go, hey, do you have parents? I think I actually mentioned before I'm an orphan. Oh, me too. Sorry, I was just checking. Thanks. Do you have friends i don't know what are we doing <laughs> I, I thought you said that we were friends did i did i say i don't i don't recall but oh well yeah sure sure buddy no parents no friends i get it no it's fine don't worry about like it. the the softest little pat pat on the shoulder and then just kind of awkwardly turn and walk away <laughs> so confused by that interaction the scout who was standing on the other side of like the iron gate that they just shut behind them sort of mutters, wow, that's painful. <laughs> 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 I 
I literally felt because I definitely didn't see the painting, right? It was just uh, just F that did. Yeah. With the nine, you probably noticed that there were paintings, but uh, you didn't really like pay much attention to them. Maybe you were like really preoccupied with your weapons at the moment, right? Yeah. Making sure that they're all still in, in good shape. I mean, you're going to meet Godot. He's going to tell you everything, and it's a big thing. It's very distracting. Maybe try and eat my brain. So yeah, I'm ready. Maybe try to eat your brains. Yeah. As you make your way down the alleyway, it opens up into like this small, um, it's not a courtyard. It's like a, it's like a plaza. It's not used like a plaza. Like there is a small stream that flows through underneath two small bridges that lead from one side of a set of buildings that you're standing between. They lead over to like steps that kind of go up and meet in the center and around a small well. And there are buildings kind of on a rise, like an, on, on an incline up on the other side. And so there's varying degrees of elevation here as like steps lead up to like little mezzanines and then like building awnings and then maybe like little balconies above. Um, and Godot stands on the, like a raised area of this little plaza just beyond where the small stream flows. And he stands looking down at you and he says, ah, I see you've made it. Wonderful. I trust you found the lodgings to be satisfactory. Who got the top bunk? That's never mind. We'll talk about it later. Um, you're probably wondering what this has to do with the answers that you seek. And you see very little to you, but everything to me. I'm not at all concerned right now. I'm not sweating. Forgive me for what's about to happen, but it is necessary. And I think you'll enjoy it. And as he's monologuing, you'd notice that there is someone just above you and kind of to the left peeking at you over one of the mezzanines, like the little balconies of these small, maybe commercial structures that are not really in use at this time. And you see someone kind of like peek up at you over the ledge of one of these mezzanines. They look like they're holding maybe a bow. Okay. <laughs> Sweats. <laughs> I'm going to need everyone to roll initiative. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. God damn it. Six. Eighteen. Eight. Seventeen plus zero. Seventeen. All right. This little alleyway that leads into this plaza is roughly ten feet across, so it's two by two. Who's going to be the two in front on left and right? I'm curious. I'm... I'm trying to see new stuff so i'd probably be in front yeah i think walker might be in front with leo i could be right behind since i noticed something does the defender roll initiative he goes immediately after me got it okay all right you guys ready here we go yes Fuck yeah all right <laughs> Wait, which so one's funny. leo oh, and which one's lj <laughs> you should swap out that token for just a soup can Shit. <laughs> don't don't ask me to fucking do that because I will. <laughs> I'm doing it already. <laughs> I figured. Is there any chance that your defender's name is Campbell? <laughs> I think that's canon now. Chicken noodle yeah. soup. Campbell. Right. Sure. Absolutely. Let's do it. Every time you make a new one, though, this is like Campbell's chicken noodle. One day you're going to make uh, Campbell's broccoli and cheddar. <laughs> this, is, this is Campbell V1. Campbell's V8 would probably be tomato soup, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is V8. Maybe you've tried this seven times before. I'm labeling it as V8. <laughs> As Godot speaks, he begins to pace, and Ella, 
Out of the corner of your eye, you spot someone on the left-hand side leaning up over the edge of that mezzanine. And you look back over your left shoulder and you see someone else kind of peeking up over the ledge of a balcony. It's obviously two archers that are poised to take their shot. You're the only person who notices this. You have just a moment before this happens. What do you do? Uh, okay. I grab Walker's shoulder in front of me and then F's shoulder to my right and say, Archers, in the left, in the right, watch out. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) It distracts the archers just momentarily as you shout and their aim is not true. The arrows fly past one another on either side of you and stick into the ground and Godot stops and says, You're proving me right already. You know that. I think this is going to be interesting. And I'll say he like steps back kind of like into the shadows between these buildings and he's observing all of this with this uh, very kind of satisfied smirk on his face. Walker, what would you like to do? All right. Now that the shots have gone off, did I see where those came from? So there's one in the upper right and one directly to your left. In that moment, kind of realizing I have a little bit more ways to go and I'm about 15 feet from where they are, that kind of vibration that I felt before. Okay. Whenever I touch the stones temporarily. Yeah. My whole body almost kind of feels like that for a split second. Interesting. And it's something I've kind of felt before. Like you said, it's almost familiar, but not. And all of a sudden, I feel like I'm standing right next to her up there and I'm going to manifest an echo 15 feet from me and place it right next to the archer. And you all see all of a sudden that vibrating that I'm feeling is almost visual. You see me kind of shimmer for a second and a like shadow gray, almost featureless version of me seems to like wisp from my core and shoot forward 15 feet and appear in a semi-corporeal form next to the archer up on the building there. So that is my movement and bonus action. And then I'm going to attack from the position of the echo. Okay, so. go ahead and roll roll to attack. That is a natural 19 plus five. So that is a 24. A 24 is gonna hit. And then that is just gonna be five damage. What does the attack look like? You almost see walker physical walker down on the ground's shoulder start to go like an attack and then it almost kind of blurs for a second and all of a sudden the arm of the echo swings out in an attack but it seems like it's it might just like wisp right through the person until at the last moment the sword that physical walker is holding down on the ground turns into that kind of gray almost non-existent form and the sword and arm of the echo turns completely physical and fully colored. And it's almost like Walker's arm switched spaces for a moment and then comes back. You can't see through the eyes of your echo, right? Like, or, or can you? Not yet. How does that Not work? Yet. No. Okay. So like the, you're kind of gauging the interaction and you can sort of see them. You saw them like peek out over and then duck back behind the uh, balcony there, the mezzanine. And now they stand and you can see it's a half-orc woman with jet black hair, kind of in a bun held back. And then uh, she's got her bow drawn. She's like immediately beginning to like put it back now that she's in hand-to-hand combat and reach for a short sword. 
she's got like a um i guess you'd call it like almost a cowl like a cape and cowl like over her shoulder that kind of hangs off it's dark brown over maybe some chain mail and she's got like uh, steel bracers over both arms and she stands kind of reaching for her sword to defend and she's not fast enough and the creature uh the the ghost the echo of walker strikes right across the chest and catches her on the arm as she turns inward to try to block it do you have a second attack or, or is there anything else you'd like to do not not for this turn it's a bonus yeah okay so everybody has seen this now this this woman who's tall about six maybe six and a half feet is now standing fully visible like her upper body and torso are fully visible above the ledge of the mezzanine now and if that's going to end your turn next in the order is going to be leo all right do i still have pebbles on me you do i think it's established now that you have quite a few (laughs) you've probably been collecting them so i think i i think i have been you're probably carrying like a dozen pebbles right it's not okay it's not like they have to be very heavy right they can be small yeah it's little stones little pebbles yeah so yeah you got them i can cast magic stone and throw them as a single action i believe read it to us what does it say oh casting time one bonus action okay there you go. Yeah, bonus so, action, then action throw. Yep. Okay. So I will move 30 feet, and I've got a range of 60. So bonus action to cast Magic Stone on three of the ones that I'm holding. And then uh, attack roll using my spell casting modifier, which plus four to hit. So five plus four, nine. Yeah. Okay. You described it to me before as being somewhat explosive, but it's, is it loud? Loud like, uh, you know, those like poppers, like the little, yes. not flammable Yeah, like the little crackers. ones that like shitty kids would throw at you. Yeah, like my bully yeah. would always throw yeah. them at me. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's a brutal memory. Do you want to talk? Are you okay? Oh, yeah, no. I need a quick, uh, I'm going to play an X card here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, so you throw it, it makes a loud pop and like a bit of, not, not like a chunk, but like a bit of the like stone side of the uh, little balcony there kind of f- flakes off. In essence, creating more pebbles for you to use at a later time. <laughs> and uh, the figure standing behind kind of like stands upright and you can see it's a furbled woman. Uh, she's got, you know, piercings on both ears, like several on both ears, very broad shoulders, very defined musculature on her arms she's got a similar look to like other like the other woman that you just saw but she's actually wearing some like very light plate armor kind of over her shoulders and across her chest and she's got like a little um some some sort of like brass or metal chain that hangs around her neck she's got also jet black hair that kind of is uh pulled back a little bit and one side of it is completely shaved and you can see that she's got like a broadsword behind her like strapped to her back, but she's currently wielding a short bow. Uh, she sort of jumps up as that explodes to take a step back and uh, looks alarmed. And Godot is like clapping his hands softly and says, yes, didn't I tell you this would be fun? <laughs> Leo. <laughs> Love him. That is the end of my turn. So Campbell can move on its own and take the dodge action since I needed to use my bonus, which I believe imposes disadvantage on attacks against it if i'm remembering correctly can you paint us a little word picture of this like thing that you described earlier (laughs) so it is absolutely v1 
So I think it's only got <laughs> one <laughs> knee joint. So one leg is completely fixed. If you imagine a more rigid version of the zombies from Zombieland, that's kind of what I'm imagining the way it runs. Father, did you mean for me to be broken? <laughs> <laughs> the other children call me a monster. <laughs> so sad. Uh, we love Campbell. Damn it, I'm attached to this little guy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what does he do? Just dash? That's it? Yeah, that's all it can do. Because all the other actions that it can take are reliant on my bonus action. I understand. Okay. You use your bonus to give him an action. I understand. The furbolg woman who stood up very abruptly is going to try to return the favor from her position. I rolled a 22 and a 23 to hit. You said return the favor, so I'm assuming it's me. Yeah, to Leo. Absolutely. Yeah, that uh, both instances double my armor class, so... <laughs> Okay. I think you, I think you go. Okay, cool. So it's going to be 12 points of piercing damage. And you hear a laugh. She kind of like throws her head back and says, <laughs> yeah, this is a really good fight. I'm not going to lie. This never happens. So thank you. If anyone is going to kill the abomination, it will be me. <laughs> Ouch. Oh, no. That's brutal. Oh, no. Poor Leo. But it's also, I'm also being positive. <laughs> Okay, so Ella looks at F quickly as like a, what the fuck is going on? Kind of like scared. So I'm just going to kind of duck beneath this like fencing area, not trying to hide or anything, but... um. Yeah, there's like a little stone wall on that staircase. So you like run across the stone, duck behind the like little stone wall so that you get partial cover. Yeah, I run and, and kind of slide down right by this wall fencing here and kind of hold my bow like, okay. And then I take a deep breath and close one eye, aim right at for that furball woman at the top and... Um, Hold my breath and cast Hunter's Mark. All right. What does Hunter's Mark do? You choose a creature you can see within range and mystically mark it as your quarry. Until the spell ends, you deal an extra 1d6 to the target whenever you hit it with a weapon attack and you have advantage on wisdom, perception, or survival checks to find it. If the target drops to zero before the spell ends, you can use your bonus action to switch it to new creature. Ooh, that's very cool. Have you done this before? Or is this the first time this has manifested? Like no, this? so I, I'm like, the flavor I'm using for it is just like kind of when you super hard focus on one thing. <laughs> but Ella pops it's up to you. You mystically mark it. <laughs> you have a little pill. Um, so maybe like in my eyes, the creature, you, you know, when uh, you have like a UAV, like <laughs> you can like see everything. Kind of like a witcher sense where like a, like yeah. it goes like all fish eye and you're exactly. like really hyper focused on this one thing. Yeah. And uh, while Leo is popping out little pebbles, you're popping a pill. And you're <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's what I imagine. When you said Adderall, hold on, Mama's got gonna need her medicine for this one. <laughs> so then, uh, after marking her, I'm going to try and shoot her with my longbow, purposefully not going for any death shots there. This just like in the leg or the arm or something. Good to know. I'm quickly thinking, okay, it seems like a test. I'm not sure, so I'm not trying to kill anybody here. Just bring them down a notch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very nice. 
25 to hit. <laughs> That's going to do it, my friend. <laughs> go ahead go. and roll damage. <laughs> That's a seven plus three is ten plus the d6 from Hunter's Mark. We Hachi Machi. Is three, so that's 13. When you hit a creature with an attack roll, you can mark it as your favorite enemy for one minute until you lose concentration. So I'm going to use my favorite foe special ability and use a d4 for an extra damage on that creature. So that's 14. Nice. That's a lot. For level three, that is a very nice attack. <laughs> I was like reading all these, like I have to get this in the right order. I'm going to fuck <laughs> yeah. it up. So much. Yeah, that was good. As they're laughing at the fight between them and Leo, you strike them just right across the shoulder with non-lethal damage, and it sends them kind of like hurtling back a little bit. Like they almost lose their balance and look up at you and look down at the arrow kind of wedged between the plates of their armor. Holy shit, Godot! Where did you find these people? It's just fucking incredible. What else can you do? Oh, oh my, you, Leo, did, did you see that? I, I, I hit her. Yeah. And then kind of duck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm job. very excited. This is my very first real fighting scenario. You trained for this. <laughs> As you duck back down, you see another face peeking up over a little balcony behind you and they've got an arrow knocked and are pointing it straight at you and says show off all you want push comes to shove i guarantee you're gonna buckle under the pressure and she looses an arrow at you and that is going to be 18 to hit yes nine points of piercing damage she lets us the arrow, like a precision shot, right across your shoulder. It kind of cuts into your skin a little bit. I think you said that uh, LNL wears a cloak, so it like cuts through that and pins it to the back of the stone. She smirks and says, yeah, that's what I thought. Then she immediately turns her longbow on the next target, and that's going to be a 15 to hit F. Uh, armor class 15. AC 15, okay, yeah, that hits. She immediately like has another arrow knocked and is swung over to you almost instantly and says, what are you doing back there? You waiting for something special to happen? Allow me to give you a gentle nudge out of the nest and she fires an arrow at you. Reaction to deflect missile. Let's go. <laughs> so you can use reaction to deflect or catch the missile when you are hit by a ranged weapon attack. When you do so, the damage you take from the attack is reduced by 1d10 plus five. If you reduce the damage to zero and have a free hand, you can spend one key point to make a ranged attack, as with the monk weapon, minimum range of 20, maximum range of 60. Okay, so I roll damage, and then you roll a d10. Yep, plus five. Wow, so it's at least, you're at least reducing it by five, guaranteed. Yeah, guaranteed. And if you drop it to zero damage, you can catch it and throw it back, I guess right? throw it back, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so sick. <laughs> okay, I rolled 12 piercing damage. All right, so gotta roll a seven or higher. Nine! Oh, Holy shit! Yeah. Plus five, so 14. Badass. So you reduce it to zero? Yes, so I can burn a key point in order to throw it back. Holy shit. Do it for the cool factor. Yeah. Ella is very <laughs> impressed. Yeah. No, I'm doing it, I'm fucking doing it for the show off, yeah, yeah She yeah. just punked you hard, dude. She told you you were like a little baby bird who hadn't left the nest yet. Yeah, right, 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 right. So I'm throwing it back. Um, nice. I assume I have to still hit, of course. So throwing it back. That is a 19 plus four, so that's a 23. That's gonna do it, my friend. Then I have one D4 plus two damage. We've got four damage in total. 
So I, I catch the arrow and I just like spin around in a circle and I throw it back. And while it's in the air, I say, you don't know what you are, I am. And shout. <laughs> <laughs> shout right back. so fucking appropriate. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's, I just throw it. And uh, hopefully pin her to the wall or something. <laughs> it cuts like across her shoulder and through her quiver to the wall behind her. So it doesn't pin her, but it's clearly meant as a warning that you're not to be trifled with. And that was incredible. Ugh. It's your turn, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I had a whole lot of thoughts about my turn and the way that it was going to go. Uh, but we're going to... Good start. <laughs> this woman <laughs> has earned the ire. So I just walk over kind of casually, like backwalk, moonwalking over. And then I, I get up to the wall and I, I absolutely start running up it and then muscle up to be right next to her. All right. Uh, what do you do when you're up there? I am going to hit her. I'm going to do the hit. I'm going to do the <laughs> hit. Uh, we're going to start with an unarmed strike here. That is a pathetic seven, of course. Is that your full action? That is my regular action. I have bonus actions. Um, okay. So the seven doesn't hit. But I'm going to burn another key point for a flurry of blows, which is two more unarmed strikes. I got a one, natural one, and a five. Hmm. Nice. <laughs> Show off. <laughs> so I think what happens here in this situation, I'm going to resolve this later, but suffice it to say, you climb up, bring yourself up to the ledge and heave yourself over to be face to face with this woman who mocked you mercilessly. And you fling your fists as fast as you can in her direction, and she somehow avoids taking any significant damage. And is that going to end your turn? Yeah, that ends my turn. At least you got to do the one cool thing. I did. I got to. I got Running to up the wall Thank was God. probably really cool. Like you didn't land really a punch, cool. but you did run up the wall. That's the really moonwalking. Cool. Let's not overlook the moonwalking. That was very you cool did and the very much like and rubbing then... it in her face. Exactly. Right. You did like a really high pitch, like <laughs> as you were doing it too. And everyone I've thought that was really cool. Humming, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's gonna bring us to a yet unseen combatant in kind of the northwestern part of this little plaza. Suddenly peeks up over the edge of one of the mezzanines up there and is gonna take aim, I think at Walker, recognizing a threat that is nearby. She's already drawn her breath and she's already drawn her bow and she leans up and just like a fucking shadow, looses it before you even notice she's there. She fires right across your forearms and takes a chunk of skin across like both biceps. And it doesn't do a ton of damage. It's gonna do five points of piercing damage. Or not 20? Yeah, did you double that? I did not double that. Let me oh roll it again. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's actually um, 13 points of piercing damage. Okay. okay. <laughs> so better. it stings. It feels bad. Slices just right across your, your biceps, right? You've got your, arm, your sword arm drawn and, and maybe your bicep and a forearm, right? She's just basically trying to graze you and she yeah. hits you with enough force that it like catches your attention. You turn over and she smiles and kind of whips her hair back and you can see that she is a triton. Oh, shit. Walker's got a new girlfriend. 
or a family member. We'll find out. <laughs> it's a very healthy relationship right off the bat. Yeah, I've blurred the lines before. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, her hair is like a silvery blue, like an aquamarine. Her skin and, and scales are multicolored, like a pastel pink and blue light turquoise lipstick over her like pale blue lips and she's got piercing eyes that uh, are a little bit more pinkish in hue. She's got a crossbow in her hand that she fired with and her aquamarine hair is braided and kind of like falls in front of her and as she like tilts her head it kind of like falls behind and she doesn't say anything she just smiles and gives you kind of like a once over trying to size you up. She hops down from the ledge, lands on the stone wall, runs along it and kind of flips across the water and lands on the stone. Now she's just not too far from being in melee range of you and she looks ready for action. So now the half orc who is being attacked by Walker's echo is gonna respond. She's actually reached for her short sword and pulled it out and just in, as a backhand swing, tried to cut this thing in twain. And it just kind of like morphs around the blade of her short sword and stays put. Alarmed, she tries to strike again. 22 to hit. That'll hit. Then you don't need to roll damage. It has one hit point. It's destroyed. She looks terrified as it happens. Just like has no idea what's happening. Never seen anything like this before. Never been trained for this, really. What would happen? I guess in a puff? Again, it's kind of like it doesn't meet anything, but this time instead of reforming, it just like drops like smoke and then dissipates across the ground. Gotcha. And uh, that's going to bring us to you, Walker. All right. First thing Walker's going to do is turn and look at the Triton across the way there that just took the shot at me and do like a eyebrow lift with a slight smile and a nod, like a game respect game situation, you know? And then with the smirk, I'm going to kind of like wink and then turn and run and jump up onto the building, getting myself to where I'm kind of positioned where the half-orc archer woman is backed up against the ledge that goes down towards that creek there. Still kind of feeling that strange vibration in my body. I'm going to go to push her, but whenever it happens, I'm going to cast Gust of Wind. So a line of strong wind, 60 feet long and 10 feet wide, blasts from you in a direction you choose for the spell's duration, which is one minute uh, with concentration. Each creature that starts its turn in the line must succeed on a strength saving throw or be pushed 15 feet away from you in a direction following the line. Any creature in that line must spend two feet of movement for every one foot it moves when moving closer to you. What's the DC? It's not super high. It's 12. It's a strength. Uh, yeah. I rolled 11. Oh, shit. Hell yeah. <laughs> As you push this, like, gust of wind flows behind you and gives you, like, extra force extra energy do you want her square in there or all the way on the other side like you we could say all the way on the other side okay or no let's right in the middle square in there and the current begins to like carry her away and i'm going to use my bonus action to re-manifest my echo down where i started the turn when you cast an echo is it innate or do you give like a hand gesture is there like a flourish i think it's just like you know whenever the dementors are like pulling people's soul out of their faces in harry potter it's kind of like that but it's like a like a wispy kind of smoke that just pulls away from me, but I don't seem to have any physical reaction to it. It's some Doctor Strange shit, right? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Love it. Next in the order, Leo. Uh, so I've got more rocks. I'm going to take another throw. 13 plus 4, 17. 17 is going to hit. Go ahead and roll damage. All right. 1d6 plus 2. 3 plus 2, 5. 
The second one hits and you hear her scream and she flies back and disappears beyond the edge of the mezzanine. I will then move and use my bonus action to command Campbell. Force empowered rend. Your spell attack modifier to hit, reach five feet, one target you can see, 1d8 plus proficiency bonus force damage. So you're going to move him to Godot? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, I am. I believe believe I can get there because Campbell has a speed of 40. So I can't wait for Godot to absolutely dispatch this (laughs) (laughs) amalgamation. Campbell. One punch and Godot's going to be like, looks like brains are back on the menu, boys. (laughs) (laughs) I hate you so much. 17 plus 4, 21. (laughs) 21 to hit. I imagine one of its arms is just a broomstick or something. (laughs) It just kind of... Overhead swing. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> oh man. Very exaggerated karate chops. <laughs> it's outlandish. It's awesome. I think that's what it does. What is the damage? Five plus two, seven. All right, seven points of damage to Godot. You swing your awkward arm around and (laughs) (laughs) catch him totally off guard. This thing flies forward and he's perplexed. He's confused. Like, why is this thing running toward me? Oh God, it's gonna (laughs) fucking hit me. All right, beautiful. Is that gonna end your turn? That will indeed end my turn. All right. The furbled woman disappears from view, but like instead of an attack, you hear her say like, Oh, Jesus, Al! Whoever's up there in the heavens, please (laughs) spare me! (laughs) Ah! You just hear her feigning some sort of <laughs> like injury, fatal injury as she's been blasted back. Did she drop to zero hit points, would you say? Because <laughs> if she didn't, then I assume I would have to cast Hunter's Mark again instead of just switching it over. She did drop to zero HP. I'm going to take another deep breath and peer over the stone fencing that I'm next to, looking up at the right where the Furbolg once was, and then I hear her exclaiming how in pain she is, and I'm like, oh, oh my god, uh, okay. <laughs> totally buying it. <laughs> like, I don't want to kill this person. Uh, and I'm going to turn to my back right and look up on the building where the hooded figure that F is currently engaged with, and I'm going to move my hunter's mark to that character, and in my eyes, they have like a red glow around them, just so I can distinguish which one is marked in my mind. It's a 14 to hit. She actually, in a way, looks a lot like you. She's uh, half elf. She's got a frock of curly hair that's peeking out from under a hooded cloak that she's wearing. She's got very bronze skin, fierce green eyes, and you make contact, but it strikes like her leather armor that's hiding underneath her cloak. Next in the order is going to be that half-elf, who is, while she's taking fire, her armor's doing the brunt of the work there. She's got to do something about you. I am a problem. She whips out a dagger and swipes at you twice back and forth really quick, and you manage to dodge out of the way. She's not as effective at this range, so she attempts to dip out, and that is going to draw an opportunity attack, but she figures it's worth it. She's going to run along the edge of this building, so go ahead and make an attack of opportunity. If you choose, 
I'm choosing to, of course. Um, I got a natural one, though. All right. Oh <laughs> you gotta just throw them away, bud. I'm gonna literally burn these. <laughs> these are not good dice. Put them in timeout. All right, yeah, she, I mean, you're fast, but she's just a little faster and she kind of like ducks around you, um, runs along the edge of this building, trying to put some distance between you. And that's gonna end her turn. It's yours now. What would you like to do? I'm absolutely chasing her down to put her in her place, which is no problem for me. Like the wind, as it were? Like the wind. So I, I run across the same rooftops uh, down to the south. I actually cartwheel off of one onto the lower one. And then I jump up and absolutely jab her in the unarmored place, which is her face. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> the unarmored place is <laughs> a weird way to say that, but I like Ooh. it. <laughs> you know, it's fine. Okay, I rolled a 22. Let's go. <laughs> it worked. Go digital dice. <laughs> Fuck. Everybody is looking a little beat up. You've already taken two people out of the initiative at this point. F is going to absolutely shout when he punches her in the face, like, you don't no, my parents aren't, and hits her. You're getting better at this. I'm legitimately struggling to understand whether this is Cross's brilliance as an improvisational actor or literal deer in headlights. <laughs> I, I just think it's hilarious to have F barely understand how to speak. Remember that time we all thought Cross was in character, but he was actually having a seizure? <laughs> <laughs> it was rough. We ended up spending like the night in the hospital. We finished the campaign there. Episode three was really bad, guys. Next in the order is gonna be the Triton woman who's standing just a few feet from Walker. I think she's gonna use her full movement and leap across the edge of this bridge. She's drawn her rapier and she's going to strike twice as she comes down. 22 to hit and one for a definite failure. I'll tell you right there, I no longer have this echo. <laughs> oh, that's right, she's attacking an echo. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. That's gonna end her turn. Next in the order is gonna be Godot. <laughs> oh shit. Who didn't go last turn, but is definitely gonna go now. Can't wait to meet V2. <laughs> oh no, yeah, you're right. <laughs> all right, so Godot attacks with his tentacles. All right, so as this thing comes toward him, he doesn't manage to dodge its attack, doesn't think that it's actually gonna do much damage and it, it hurts him pretty bad. Oh, holy moly, it's a 26 to hit. I'm gonna assume that that hits your boy. Yeah, that definitely hits. Well, I'm sorry for what's about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so that's 18 damage. All right, Campbell is still alive. He does need to make an intelligence check. All right. Three minus three, zero. <laughs> nice. All right. <laughs> uh, Campbell's stunned. All right. Can't move, can't speak, only falteringly. So, father, father, help. <laughs> <laughs> Automatically fails strength and dex saving throws and attack rolls against the creature have advantage and also incapacitated means that it cannot take an action or a reaction. So Campbell also has one hit point. <laughs> Godot literally like tried to sidestep this, took a little damage, looked miffed and just stopped it with a single tentacle and caused uh, an immense amount of damage as it like tried to crush it a little bit, showing his strength in more ways than one. That's going to end his turn. Next in the order is the orc woman, who I'm just going to roll to see like how well she swims. Eh, she does okay. She's kind of keeping pace with the current of the stream, and she's maybe moves a little closer to like the edge. That's going to end her turn. Brings us back around to Walker. 
Having a swimming speed and being a triton, I'm going to dive into the water and swim up to right behind the orc archer that is trying to swim against the current and then summon my echo behind the triton that is up on the bridge just ahead of us. I'm going to take an attack on this orc archer. That is a 17 plus 5, so that's a 22 to hit. Yeah. And then um, I'm also going to use Unleash Incarnation. And for a moment, my echo's going to become more corporeal. And as I swing, it's just going to be exactly me, like a mirror of me also taking a swing at the Triton, which I believe that's a roll, another attack four. So that's going to be a 19 plus five. That'll do it. So the damage on the orc is going to be six uh, slashing damage. And then on the Triton is going to take also six slashing damage and, and I'm going to use action surge and fucking do it again. <laughs> I have three of those uh, unleash incarnations so I'm going to use a second one as well. So on the orc woman that's going to be uh, not as good. That's a nine plus five so a 14 to hit. It does. It does hit. All right. And then on the triton that's a natural 20. Hell yeah. Holy baby. shit. There you go. So I think I'm just getting all of the yin from the yang of Crossland's rolls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that seems seems legit. Perfectly balanced, as all things should mm-hmm. be. Yeah, so the uh, attack on the orc, ooh, that's a six plus three, so it's going to be nine damage on ooh. that one. And then uh, you do roll dice twice, not roll and double, right? A roll, roll twice and add your modifier. Okay. Less than the orc woman, that's a three and a two plus three, so eight damage on the triton. Ooh, baby. Okay. Next in the order, then, is Leo. So I've got my rocks, and I can throw my rocks 60 feet. (laughs) 60 feet brings me here. You got your rocks, and you kind of sort of got your little uh, quote-unquote steel defender. Yeah, it's not doing too well. I'm going to throw my last pebble at the Triton. Man, Orc Lady's still up. Oh, you know what? She's not. I'm so sorry. I was trying to process so many things. I just no like, worries. I did a lot of things. Okay, so um, how would you like to do this? <laughs> no, no, it's all right. Just as I basically like as I get there with the last one, I rather than a slash, I'm just gonna like use that stone on the back of the pommel and knock her out, and then just kind of like grab her body and chuck it up so she doesn't drown onto this ledge right here. You heave her body up onto the stone, and then we track across the plaza to Leo, who's got his stones out. Thrown at the Triton lady. What's the range on this? 60 feet. So I am exactly in range. Three plus four, seven. Nice. Campbell can't do anything, but I do still have movement, and I do still have a bonus action. So I'm going to imbue three more stones and move towards the center. I've got a movement of 30. So you moved across the plaza to right where um, Godot is grappling your poor boy. So you're in position, as they say. Next in the order is Ella. All right. I am just going to try and shoot the same hooded figure with F that is now directly behind me on top of the building. You're killer, and I'm going to be so sad. 17 this time. All right, go ahead and roll damage. So 1d8 plus 3 plus the... Hunter's mark is one, so 10 damage. Ella, how do you want to do this? All right. (laughs) I go for the kneecap and hope that she falls. (laughs) 
permanently disabling. That's awesome. Yeah, I want to paralyze them forever. That's even better. Uh, that ends their turn and Ella's, unless you'd like to move. Bonus action, I'll put my hunter's mark on the Triton. The last one standing. And that's going to bring us to F. What would you like to do? Uh, so I am going to start off by leaning over and saying, I got you. <laughs> Even though I didn't. Uh, <laughs> Holy shit. So I am going to run over to the Triton and I am going to hit her a bunch. It's going to be the goal. Oh, now I can't shoot. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the way, but it's fine. I can just yeah. like deflect it and throw it, you know? Like I'm, right. I'm here for that. <laughs> Here, catch. So after ceremoniously insulting my uh, lifelong enemy, that person who is now down on the ground up on that that roof. I then casually dismount with a backflip and run all the way over to the Triton. Very excited. I proceed to say, what's your favorite rat? And then I swing <laughs> my fists. <laughs> 18 plus four, that's a 22. <laughs> I'm going to flurry of blows. Okay, so that's a nine, so that's a 13. And another 18, so it's two 22s. Uh, so it's a five and a four, so nine. Total of nine damage. Mm -hmm. All right, is that gonna end your turn? That does end my turn. And that is uh, gonna bring us to the Triton, who kind of like whips her hair back as she turns to face you, and she is going to strike at you twice. The first one was a 22 to hit, the second one is a 24 to hit. Ooh, I burned my final key point, so I cannot do anything silly. And that is... 13 points of piercing damage. That puts me down to 11. Ouchies. <laughs> Ouchies indeed. Over half my health at once. You know, your white tunic is a little smeared with some blood. Just says it looks good on you. It's my one belonging. You had to do this to we? Honestly, I think it looks better on you. <laughs> Us don't like this. I don't, ugh, fuck. She's gonna just, because she can, do a backflip into the water and try to spar with Walker. Is that, do I get an attack of opportunity? Okay. You do get an attack of opportunity, yeah, if you'd like to use it. I am 100% using it. I got a 19. Go ahead and roll damage. <laughs> uh, three. All right. Next in the order is Godot, who is going to move around Campbell. I hope you don't take it personally. I don't want to put this thing out of commission, but you really shouldn't underestimate me. And... You broke my toy! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Leo gets cranky when you break his toy. <laughs> I need you to make an intelligence saving throw, please. Intelligence saving throws is plus four, so eight total. He strikes you with like an open palm, but that's not really what you feel. What you feel is a pulse of energy that kind of like splits your mind in a way, and you take 23 points of psychic damage. Well, I am way dead. Party is Mathar DeLeon as the DM, PJ Heller as Leo Feldman, Leslie Ray as Ellen L. Balin, Joshua Ramsey as Walker Omeron, and Crossland Shaw as F, aka The Future. 
The show is a production of Atomic Pylon Media. Our intro theme was composed by Mathar. The track you're hearing now is Kenji by Oi. This episode was mixed by Jeremy Tuttle and was edited by Joshua and Mathar. Our cover art was illustrated by Leslie Ray. You can support the show by following at Catacomb Party on Instagram, Twitter, and on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss an episode. Leave us a five-star review on Apple because that helps a ton with reaching more listeners like yourself. If you want to get to know us better, we do have a Discord server. Link is in the description, so come say hello. If you're listening to this in the present, you're probably wondering, are we back to publishing on the regular? What does your heart say? And if you're listening from the future, well, that means the heart don't lie and somehow we're still relevant. That wouldn't be possible without you. So be sure to pat yourself on the back for sticking around long enough to see if F ever learns to speak as well as the robot. We love you for that. Now get out of my office. scene in Doctor Strange where like the ancient one you know you know how she does that thing oh yeah Astral <laughs> <self>. thing. <laughs> that yeah. thing that she does that is oh, wait PJ is on the other side of the room <laughs> he's like ah, I want to get a drink <laughs> that's what just happened but you can probably still hear me from way over here I don't know yeah, yeah. a little bit you sound better, actually. Yeah, just stay over <laughs> yeah. there. Just keep going. <laughs> keep going. No, keep going. Telephone <laughs> party.